everybody. Welcome back to our show. Jake Becker, Brent Gill here. We got a great episode for you today. Today, we're talking about the prelude again. We talked about old cars. Shocker. Jake knows a little bit about old cars. We talked about Ralph Lauren's uh, private car collection that puts Jay Leno's to shame. Uh, we talked about... What else did we talk about? Um, we talked about whether or not... We talked about how concept cars, like their look kind of determines how close to production they are. And will there be an end of the car show as we know it? Mm-hmm. Jake says no. I think yes. We talked about that. Great episode. As per usual, our show is sponsored by the amazing people uh, at the internet. Uh, so thank you very much, internet, for making this work, uh, <laughs> for bringing us together. <laughs> they, they've been great to us. They've been good to us so far. Thank you, Wi-Fi. Uh, also, I am in a hyperbaric chamber today. It's a pretty fun time. So enjoy the episode. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, and the idea is, right here, I'll show everybody now that we're recording again. We got the the uh, hyperbaric chamber. Normally, the CO2 is around like 500, but when you compress, it goes more. But I'm breathing in 95% pure oxygen. Nice. So you're high as shit. Yeah. And then, and then because I'm in two atmospheres, it presses it into my cells. So the more that I inhale, the more that it heals in theory. Okay. But I'm just in my cousin's garage. He just owns this thing. Oh, wait, really? Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, dude. <Holy laughs> it's fucking shit. wild. It's fucking wild, and I can kind of stand up in it. It's a four-person change, and uh, and I can sit. I can sit here if I wanted. And uh, TV. it's got two TVs. There's one behind you, and there's one uh, behind me. Uh, and I can just sit here and just sit in two atmospheric pressures. I like fell asleep in here last night. How long did you sleep in there for? Well, there, there's a, a timer, so it's an hour and fifty-five minutes. And then it uh, is the whole cycle, and it'll decompress and everything um, from there. Uh, but it's pretty fucking cool, dude. You ever been in one of these? No. No. Have I you ever have seen one? Old timey diseases. Well, I've seen that documentary about Michael Jackson's house. What? Did he have one of these? Yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. You have something like this? Um, this was like a one man one that you lay in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They have those. That's for the fucking poor. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I think that, I think this one is for weird people that want to like watch a Disney movie with their family while they compress. How many nozzles are there? There's four hookups for air. Four hookups. You got you got hookup one, hookup two, hookup three. And then the one I'm on, hook up four. Dude, this thing. And then you got a little foldable bed that I'm laying on. Damn. And then, uh, yeah, there's an AC in here. Uh, that's all. It's all like it's this thing is fucking wild, dude. Yeah, it's nuts. He, you sound. He like showed you're in me. space. You also look like you're in space. I love. <laughs> Breathe in the air. It's supposed to be very good for you. I, I I've heard it's supposed to be pretty awesome. Why do you think it's uh it's not uh I just gotta fix my back dog. It's fucking killing me. I hear ya. It's been killing me for far too long. Uh and then yesterday it's fu- rolled too many Say cars. As someone who's oh. also rolled too many cars. Yes. Yeah. I, it's fucking hell. I think only one I think you only need to roll one car before it's like, yeah, too many. Too many, too many rolls. Uh, this is a better look. <laughs> oh man! Where look are you at, at what I'm doing. I'm in a, I'm in two atmospheres. Damn, just kicking legs. Just, <laughs> just legs kicking legs, dog. Apparently, most of these things only go to like 1.4 pressures. Okay. And this one goes to uh, a full two, a full two atmospheres. Yeah, what's uh, the point of a 1.4? That's just like living in Death Valley. Yeah, no, it doesn't make any sense, actually, why people do that. Uh, it doesn't really... Um, 
I think it's hard to find a thing that can hold all the pressure like this. Oh, check this out. This is great. So I brought, because my back hurts, I was going to do some stretching in here. I brought a yoga block in here. Look at what it did to the yoga block. It sucked in yeah. all of the sides. Yeah. It just oh. it smashed it. Same with my hard foam roller. You can see, like, how oblong and crooked it is, and, like, it's fucking wild. Yeah, dude. Probably not good for the old, uh, probably not good for the old, uh, computer. It should be fine for the computer. You would think? I don't know. Is there a lot of foam in a computer? It might be doing something to your mic. (laughs) (laughs) I'm fairly confident. Because it's not bad, it's just definitely different than it ever is, and it's wild sounding. Like, it sounds like you're like, yeah, I'm calling in from the International Space Shuttle. Check out my (laughs) sweet digs. (laughs) They got me breathing that good air. That's so fucking great. (laughs) Um, Let's see here. Dude, people are Uh, asked. About? That MR2 might happen. No, it's not. It, it, you know how, dude? You, you know how excited I got my buddy about the uh, about the uh, Prelude. That's definitely happening. Well, but they don't know if they're gonna do if they're gonna do. Uh, oh yeah, it just it's my spine. It hurts so much. They don't know if they're there. We are. They don't know if they're going to do gas or hybrid or uh, full electric. Or yeah, I, I bet you I there's know. no way that they do full electric. I bet you it's going to be hybrid, and they try to crank this out soon. Yeah, I mean it looks production. Right? Re- yeah, it's production ready. That car's going to be on the road in two years. You think so? In two years? Yeah, dude. I mean, like, if you, I know you're not as dumb into this shit as I am, but if you, like, look at the other concept cars we were even looking at, like, they don't have functional mirrors or ride height bumpers or, like, any regulatory shit. Like, that Prelude has side markers on it. That thing's ready to fucking build. Interesting. So they've already done the legwork and did a concept showing in a way that, like, they're showing something that's just, like, a cunt hair off of what it's gonna actually be. Instead of like that RX seven has like a mirror that's like this big that sits like right there just to like look better with it's like a Harley Davidson mirror. It's like a mirror for show. Yeah, they're just trying to show the best <laughs> lines they can on the car and then use most of that going forward. Um but yeah, generally when you see a concept car, there's like things about it that look cool, but if you're used to looking at cars, you you'll be like, Oh, they can't have that bumper. Like they they can't have that. They can't have that. There has to be. A is this the somewhere. season for new cars? Then is that kind of what's going on right now? Like, is it like the new iPhone? Every September, October, they start putting out uh, like concept car ideas. It's less regular than it used to be because the auto shows aren't as big of a deal as they used to be, and like the okay. focus is kind of like JFL and Aspen and like. How like where the industry spot is kind of shifts around, but in the interim, it's kind of both. Right. Um, that's kind of been going on with cars for a handful of years where like the big shows used to be like Detroit and SEMA and the right. LA Auto Show and the Geneva Auto Show. I feel like the LA Auto Show, no one gives a shit about it anymore. Nobody gives a shit about like any of those. Like I don't, Really? Yeah. I think they showed a couple of trucks at the Detroit Auto Show. Like. It's just not what it once was. The And it costs money to do that. So most of the manufacturers in their head are like, we can have this shit on the internet on Tuesday. Like, we don't need to ship cars all the way to Detroit and put up a giant display and pay all these people to be there and guard it all weekend and all the shit that's involved with it. It's a lot easier for them now to have, like, their own little event at their headquarters where they invite just <laughs> journalists and... Do you think we've seen the end of auto shows then? No, I think they'll keep doing auto shows um, at least for a little while, especially through this big change that's coming up where everything's going to be going hybrid or full electric because they're going to have to like show technologies off to people and auto shows are the best way to do that. They're just going to have to reinvigorate the idea of getting people there 
but I think the technology change in most people's cars is going to make it an easy sell in the next couple of years to be like, Hey, come on down to the Denver auto show where all the manufacturers will show you what has changed in your life in the last two years and how to use it. Why wouldn't they just send a car to the local dealerships? Uh, cause that's, I so bet you that's way cheaper. No, that's so many locations. That's I mean, so, maybe not all of them, but all the big ones. Instead of going to an auto show, so, so you still think an auto show is going to be is going to be a thing? Yeah, well, and they usually just bring a concept car to one of the shows. So you usually show your concept car at one show, and then you're just putting out production models in the other auto shows, or pre- just slightly pre-production models. So maybe they're towing around like a Corolla GR, but the rest of the Tundras and shit, they'll just go grab from a dealership when they're in town. Oh yeah. So the only the only cost involved with that is moving around like the experimental one or two cars. Yeah. Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah. Usually, usually you're not showing them for like the whole auto show tour. But also, like I was saying, like a lot of manufacturers just debut shit on their own time now. Like Ford has all their like on the internet. Chevy has all their own events. Yeah, and they'll do it live on YouTube and have Jay Leno guest host or. One of the dudes from Top Gear or fucking, you know. Daniel Ricardo. Yeah. So they do it that way. And it spreads it out a little bit. And I think it gives everybody a better chance of catching the public's attention. Because, I mean, like, dude, nobody knows what an Isuzu Impulse is because it was in an auto show in the 90s against every other new car that was coming out that year. Even though, I have no like, idea what an Impulse is. It's a Lotus built Elise. What? A, a Lotus built a Zuzu that nobody knows about that you can get pretty cheap if you can find one. And they have really inc- incredible suspension and great acceleration. They're Is it an cool. SUV? No, it's a little fucking, it looks like a Geo. It's like really? a Coupe Geo. Yeah. Hang on. Show me a picture of this. Send me a picture. But it's like called what? An Isuzu uh, Impulse. An Isuzu Impulse? Was it an impulse decision of them to make this piece of shit Geo and do something cool? Uh, I mean... Like, was yeah. it a good car? Yeah, it's a great car. It's fucking fantastic. And was it like, just expensive to make? No, dude. It's just that, like, it was a cool Isuzu car that came out... What was the year that they started doing them? Like, 88? So, like, also the new Corvette concept car came out that year. And the new Chevy Trucks... And the new Ford shit and the new Mustang body was shown. And like Azuzu just wasn't cool enough to get anybody to be like, hey, have you guys been over to the Azuzu tent? They got a car that Lotus worked on. Shit might be Derek fucking for real. They'd just be like, eh, I mean, yeah, Azuzu's over there. What do they got? Another sidekick? Fuck it. Have you guys seen that Shelby's working with Dodge to build the Viper? I also and, did not. <clears throat> that car? Yeah. That looks like a Ford Escort of it's the like, 90s. It's longer and lower. Doesn't it, though? Yeah, and they made a coupe version, too, that was all-wheel drive. Dude, they're fucking... I mean, this car looks ridiculous. Why would you want this? You like the weirdest cars. This looks, it's all angular. It, it does kind of look like a Geo, but when you said Geo, it made me think of something like click a lot the, shittier. Click the second one I sent you. This is the all-wheel drive RS with the turbo that they did. They're fucking cool, man. That kind of looks like a Skyline. Yeah, they're neat as shit. They're little tiny fucking go get them ass cars, and nobody fucking cares. But I like cars that are... <laughs> that are built to drive man like it doesn't have to be something for getting pussy if something's fun in a corner i'm in i'm there i'm all about it uh how much you think these things go for how many of these did they make they made a quite a few of them i don't know i see them for like 3800 to 7800 usually and then uh is the motor good or is the motor just a honda motor motors it's a zuzu one which is in cahoots with General Motors, so watch watch it. Wait, I thought Isuzu was Honda. No, GM. They're There's their own no way. Thing. The yeah, Isuzu Rodeo was the Honda Passport. 
That was like uh that's like Toyota and Subaru doing business. That was a separate agreement. The rodeo? Yeah. You remember the rodeos? Yeah, my sister had one. Those things were great little cars. For 1991, the turbocharging and intercooling DOHC engine for 160 horsepower at 6,600 RPM and 150 pound-feet of torque at 4,800. And in 1991, that was I mean, this... horsepower less than a fucking Camaro. And this is all-wheel drive and way small. Wow. Wow. Not a... And the this red one you said on are... Motor Trend, this thing looks like a it looks like a a, a Subaru. Yeah, it looks like a Subaru, a Cavalier, and a Skyline had a little orgy that nobody knew about. Right? And then Azuzu kept the baby in secret and raised it in Japan while none of us were looking. Yeah, dude. How much do you think these things go for? Auto Tempest. Let's see. Auto Tempest. The uh, What years are we looking for? 91. 91 is what we're looking for. There's 800 for the U.S. and Canada. 130 are known to still exist. Uh, let's look around Austin. No, I let's mean, look these, 500 these are, miles. These are the Austin. kind of cars when you find one not clapped out, you get on a plane and you go get it. It didn't find anything. Because most of them, yeah, they come up very rarely. This is the kind of thing I see in like my weird car blogs. On, on what? On. Yeah. All right, let me go back and do. Let me go nationwide. White, there was a white one in Seattle about two months ago that went for about four grand, I think. That was cherry. Like it needed a re clear coat, so you needed to buff it and scuff it. But that thing was sick. It was nice. And the thing about cars like this is that generally if somebody buys a sports car that nobody knows about, they're fucking upside down in love with that car. Do you get what I mean? Like like the kind, yeah. of weird, the kind of weirdo that goes out of his way to find a dealership in the country that's selling one of these 800 cars that got sold here because they appreciated how good it was are the kind of people that won't skip oil changes and they're not driving it with bad belts. And they're not letting the suspension go to shit before they update the rubber. Like, they're usually well-cared-for cars when you find weird niche shit. Like, um, I'm trying to think of what another one of these would be. Oh, like my obsession with the Subaru Legacy GT. No one really gave a fuck about that car. But some people did. Like the Spec B, people loved those. The Spec Bs are fucking nasty. Uh, right? Weren't they so- dope? So was yours. They're, they're great cars. It's like I like natural. mine, too. Subaru does some of the best work, I actually think, it, for a car manufacturer where they make a introductory model, they make an intermediate model, and then they make an adult grown-up model. And they do, like, the fact that they can squeeze their hot motors slightly, just slightly detuned into the Forester and into the fucking Outback and into the, what's the weird one you got called? Legacy. The legacy? I I want to build one of those old fucking wedge ones that everybody hates. The brat? No. The like same era, but I think it's called an XR. Hold on. A lot of people are taking those Subaru engines and putting them into old VW buses. Well, yeah, that's been going on for 20 years, 30 years. Has it? Yeah, they're flat. Is this like the same platform? Yeah, well, they're the same design gotcha so it just bolts right in yeah that's what you're saying it doesn't bolt right in but it fits you don't have to put a whole tunnel back there if you're gonna put like a you know a v6 or an inline motor or something in one of those motherfuckers that's that is a real project because you've got to put it in an area underneath a floor that was built for a flat engine because those vans are underneath the floor in the back so yeah mine's underneath the floor in the front in my in my chevy express well you which by the way is yours is underneath the floor kind of it's still mostly in front of you and under the dash yeah it's wild you like pull off the dash 
and then you're just on top and like the center console and you're just on top of the motor. Yeah. It's fucking insane. Yeah. But it's not under your car. It, under by under your That's car right. I mean between the floor and your drivetrain. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Like a Previa. Do you see that Subaru I just sent you? It's called an XT. <laughs> this looks like it's straight out of Mad Max. It's Dude. just hard 80s lines. They're fucking dope. They had the all Why uh, are these so dope? <laughs> it, it's Jake, the, if you had money, you would have the weirdest collection of cars. Yeah, and you'd be hanging out at my house all the time with a boner. <laughs> I'm just rubbing my dick on all your cars. Sorry. Yeah, dude, you'd be telling everybody Snail else. Like, trail have you guys ever heard of a Subaru XT? I took one on a dirt road the other day by Becker's house and I lost my mind. Because <laughs> it's really light. They have a big enough engine bay to take all the modern motors. Uh, it's got the four wheel drive system and the dope ass fucking beefy fucking suspension. I think they had McPherson already. They're nasty, man. They're just. What do you think's shit. better, the uh, uh, that Subaru brat or that Subaru, or finding one of those Subaru Bajas with the turbocharged two point five uh, WRX motor? I'd rather get herpes on my eyelids than, <laughs> than get a four door Baja. <laughs> That was such a fucking misfire on their part. And then they were like, we don't know oh, I why thought anybody those cars were hilarious. They were hilarious because they had too many doors and didn't serve any fucking function. At least they it's weren't. It's a Subaru anybody. El Camino. Except the El Camino even had the common sense to be like, we're going to sell this to single men. Let's just put two doors <laughs> on it, save the weight, and make it better. God. Yeah, the brat. I mean, fuck it. The brat's cool. The brat is a cool vehicle. The brat was kind of the same thing, just less doors. Yeah, less doors, shorter wheelbase, fucking higher up in the air. Everything about the brat is usable. Everything about the Baja is like, I hope you buy a lot of groceries when you go to Costco. <laughs> I do you hate my four door friends? Yeah, dude, four doors suck. Four doors are only cool when you're just like committed to like nothing about this is fast. This is cool. the four door M3 was better than the four. Uh, the E36 four door M3 was better than the E36 two door M3. No, didn't look cooler. It was stiffer. It was better in like one measurable way, and then in every other. Yeah, that's it. Way, Everyone wants coupe. something stiff. The coupe was better in every <laughs> other measurable way, like track time, acceleration, everything. But they put the convertibles sub chassis underneath the four door to strengthen it. So you can put that uh, sub-chassis under your fucking coupe. That's back when they made things interchangeable. Well, yeah, well, that was them being sneaky and borrowing one part from their floppy car and then trying to put it on their go-fast car to make it even stiffer. And it worked. But yeah, oh, dude, God. I'd, have, I'd have all kinds of wild cars because they interest me more, dude. There's not... I mean, when we were at LS Fest, did you see enough Camaros that you were tired of seeing Camaros? Oh, God, so many. Yeah. So like, many. It it just gets old, and I've been around car shows my whole life, man. So, like, it's just, at a certain point, like, it's just hard to get excited about another 56 Chevy Bel Air. Like, <laughs> I don't. Except for that one. I mean, like. The, that like blue really, one? That yeah, that nomad. That nomad was cool. The nomad, the nomad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's hundreds of those as opposed to like hundreds of thousands of the Bel Airs. But um, yeah, it just and like (laughs) I can still appreciate a really good one, but it would just even excite me less to have a Chevelle that you know four other guys in Trinidad have. And it's. And part of that is that they were great. Part of that is is that back then guys didn't keep up on the press and the literature behind cars. So like if you were a Ford guy, you were a Ford guy. If you were a Mopar guy, the only thing you learned about was down at the Mopar dealership. You weren't reading Mo Power. Yeah, you weren't reading Motor Trend to figure out like, oh shit, did you see what these Germans did? 
Like the only time our dads ever learned about a new brand of car is when they saw someone get embarrassed by it. And then they'd go, what the fuck is that thing? What is that? <laughs> a BMW 2002 TII? What the fuck? That God, just- those are so fucking delicious. Yeah, and it just butt fucked my buddy's Camaro, and it looks like a cartoon car. What the fuck is going on? It does look like a cartoon villain's car for sure. Yeah, uh, so like it's pretty that's hilarious. Guys learned about shit. So if you didn't have a weirdo in your town that drove an Alfa Romeo, Romeo Giulietta, you had no fucking idea how fast one was because you didn't care to go figure it out. And there was like that whole mindset of like. If it doesn't have American. a giant V8, then I'm not into it. Well, not even American, but even the British cars. Like, they'd sell Jags with big old 4.2 liter inline sixes in them because they'd be like, oh, yeah, it's a big motor. But when you tell guys, like, there's a two liter in that Beamer that'll blow your mind, they'd be like, oh, okay, Susan, and then go to a different <laughs> and then get embarrassed out at the track. My dad remembers in like 73 watching an MG, or no, an Austin Healy, like when no one knew what the fucking Austin Healy was back then, unless you were weird and hoity-toity and spent time in Europe. Watched one at the track just demolish everyone one day in Texas, and he was like, dude, we were all, like, it was all we were talking about was going person to person, like, the fuck is that thing? Is it a Datsun? What is it? What the it was, just, it was a British car? Yeah, it was a British Austin Healy. Everybody knows him now. But, like, no, like that wasn't a common knowledge thing. The literature wasn't around. People didn't appreciate how great they were because they had a four banger in them. So you like you weren't gonna go look at a four banger sports car that was barely cheaper than a fucking V eight. Like why even <laughs> give that the time of day? It's got less than a third of the horsepower. Like yeah, dude, it's also got a less than a third of the weight and a suspension that was built by people who just haul ass on mountain roads and racetracks. Like they don't have wide open Nebraska in Italy. See, that's the, that's the fun part about, about these little, these little cars and these other cultures, uh, these other countries. I mean, is that they, they're like, they drove cars, they built cars for them, for their environments. And here in America, we're like, we got road straight cornfields. Let's go fast, dude. Yeah. Get from block to block fast. And all those Europeans and Japanese car manufacturers ought to count their fucking blessings that we weren't <laughs> forced into being specialized because they'd have never had a market. Do they, like, do you think that they're more innovative over there with their cars uh, out of, like, or do you think we are here? The French are the most innovative. Everything is invented in France. For the cars, really? Everything. Every what? fucking every feature ever for a car, every advancement ever was thought up by French people in France. Other than when the two Chevrolet brothers came up with overhead valves when they were in America, but they were French as fuck. Like it's all French people. They they come up with ideas, they do it poorly, and they put it out too fast, and then German people steal it, perfect it. That's been that was my next question. When did the Germans kick in? Since the discovery of cars. Usually second cycle manufacturing on French ideas is when German people jump in. Are we talking about like Renault, like that company? Uh, Citroën really leads it. Uh. In DS, now that they're two brands. But uh, Seat, or I guess that's... Uh, Seat's not French, it's Spanish. But uh, all those brands. Uh, Lancia... The Italian one, like right there on the border. Um, Renault has invented a lot of shit, but like there, that's where things get born. I, I mean, really, the only big innovation that didn't come out of France in like the last 60 years is tripoint seatbelts came from Sweden. Those fucking nerds. And then they gave you it want away to be safe. Dude, and then they gave it away for free. They gave the patent away for free to every car manufacturer on the planet. And Volvo could have fucked people into paying them for it. Because they knew that theirs was safer. Yeah, and they were such a weird car company in the fucking 70s when they did it that they were like, this is very important what we've discovered. We must share it with everyone to be fair. (laughs) And, And every other car manufacturer on the planet would have lobbied for it to be law. And then been like, yeah, you can have it for a hundred dollars a unit. <laughs> like it was truly crazy altruism that the Swedes 
exhibited by doing that. And that was like not that long after Korea fucked him out of two million cars. Or two million or two million dollars worth of cars. Sorry. I think it's two million dollars worth of cars. Uh, North Korea ordered a bunch of Volvos from Volvo back in the day, like after the war, and then never paid their bill. And Volvo still invoices them twice a year, every year since it happened and keeps adding to the debt. So I think at this point they owe him like 140 million or some shit. And Volvo, just $2 million? Keeps, and Volvo just keeps politely putting a fucking eviction notice on the door of the crack house, but never shows up with the cops. They like, there's nothing they can do to get their money from North Korea other than politely ask twice a year and hope that one day he's like, yeah, I should pay those people. So, like, all the cars in North Korea are old Volvos. They're old 124 sedans. How many cars do you think what, what did 2 million cars buy? Or, like, yeah. It's a did lot. Did 2 million dollars buy? It's, it's like they've made it work. No one else is giving them cars. So they've made it work since they got the cars in, I think, the late 60s. And they're just using the same cars, basically? Yes. They have a real, really? cu- the real Cuba situation going on where I bet there's some mechanics. <laughs> I bet there's some Volvo mechanics in North Korea that are amazing because one, they have to be in two, <laughs> fear of death. <laughs> we were so close to getting all the mechanics out of Cuba, dude. What do you mean? The, the Cubans haven't had new cars. I mean, like they have a couple of new things from communist countries in the last handful of years, but they didn't get new cars after the trade embargo, dude. Well, I didn't know that, but what do you mean we were close to getting their mechanics? Like, Oh, if, they, like, if like what, the economy what, would have stayed open for just a little while longer, they would have figured out how profitable it would have been for them to move to the United States and restore cars. Like They, uh, would, have, they would have all mass fucking moved to Texas and California and just started building cars for dumb white people. Like they, there's more knowledge base because like kids younger than us have to know how to do body work on sixties metal panels and forties metal panels and how to fit doors and use old hinges and vacuum tubes. And like, they know how to do all that shit, dude, because they have to, that's still what they use every day. So it's not like here where I need a carburetor tuned and it's like fucking pulling teeth to find a mechanical tune of carb. And it's like, what do you, what, how is this a thing? This is the main part of the job only fucking 20 years ago. So no one knows how to do it anymore. None of you remember. I haven't played hockey in a long time. I know how to fucking skate. <laughs> do do any of these kids then, uh, do any of these kids fucking, like, like, are they like, like trying to export these cars that they're fixing? No, that's all they have. They can't import anything else. And there's a trade embargo. They can't ship it anywhere. They'd have to ship it to like Yugoslavia or another red country. And that's currently still happened. Like that's still, that's still in action is the trade embargo. Yeah. And they're so poor that I think even the stuff they can get in through communist connections, like isn't one is bad product. And two, like okay. the good product is exceedingly expensive. Like a nice Lada is out the ass expensive. What is? I don't even know if they make them anymore. A lot of. Is that a car? Yeah, it's like a Russian Fiat. <laughs> well, Jake all, with another fucking random ass car, Paul. <laughs> a lot of the Yugos, like a Yugo's a Fiat. Like most Russian vehicles are Italian cars that they licensed manufacturing of, and then build their own motors for that suck. Huh. And they'll build, so they license a car and have to pay for that. So they build the car. So they had like 60s Fiats all the way through the 90s and early 2000s. And it was like, that was just normal that, you know, they'd pull like a very well to do man and pull up in a car that looked 50 years old and kind of shitty. What does this, what does this look like? I just sent you one. Yeah, I see it. I'm trying to think of what this actually looks like. It looks it looks it's like a, another old car. It's a Fiat. Yeah, it doesn't really look like one. Kind of looks like maybe an old like Ford. Kind of. Uh, there were some European court Fords that did look like that. You're not wrong. 
This car looks super boring. Yeah, it's this car. You know, it's funny to me that, like, the era of, like, the styling changes that they've done uh, over the years here uh, is, Just take, take a like, look at how much prettier it was before Russia got their hands on it, dude. Let's see here. Yeah, look at how rounded those edges are. It's the same car. Russia did that on purpose. That was, like, an aesthetic they were going for, dude. Like we hard, hard, pointy. Yeah, everything Russia hard like that. That was <laughs> they, they were given the molds and allowed to make it the pretty way and like to have their own thing. They were like, no, we will make it shittier. We will put worse grill, worse headlights, worse bumper, so that people know it's Russian. It, it's fucking crazy. <laughs> God, what an ugly car! It's funny, like. Like the old days, like that's a real eighty, like old school looking car. Uh, even these eighties, these Subarus that you've sent me, uh, hard lines. You know, it's not until you get like curves make a car look so much sexier. Yeah. However, when they overdo curves, though, like what, like everything that's like like nowadays, it's way too curvy. It, like it's it it looks like a teardrop going through, and it, like most of the times that doesn't look good. No, you need you need a three box design with actual style to it. Like that's the trick to making a good looking car. And I don't know why nobody that's designing cars anymore remembers how to do that except BMW. <laughs> no, like for real, dude. The I three box design. I don't know if anybody else is making a good looking two door sedan other than BMW right now. Like I can't think of another non sports car. <laughs> coupe that doesn't look like shit so the three box design is where the front and the back are kind of like similar and then you have the middle they don't even have to be similar you just have to have a front deck a rear deck and then the separate box in the middle interesting so like a viper is a three box design it's got a trunk is it yeah it's got a trunk it's not a fastback Oh, yeah, I guess it's true. But the 3 Series is a three-box design. The Honda Civic Coupe is not. It's like a weird hatchback, slantback, wedge, bubble thing. Like, they're taking too many design elements because you can wedge a car out for a sports car, but you don't need to, like, I don't know. I don't really enjoy most car design anymore. Man, look at this. Viper, I just pulled up. The Vipers were such a. I don't think that's going to pull anything up. The Vipers were such a sexy car. Uh, like it's a bummer that they don't make those anymore. Were, were they just a terrible car? Uh, n- not at the end. They were never a terrible yeah. car. They were just such a specific car that if you were trying to drive it to run errands, you were going to fucking hate it. It was a beast. <laughs> Dude, the more I drive my BMW, my E46, I like driving a bunch like daily. And I'm like, this was not built for an everyday car. We pretended like it was going to be. I told them I want to drive it every day. And then they, and they, I mean, they built it, you know, but it is like the clutch is very difficult. Uh, like there is no smoothing anything. You just got to fucking hammer it and dump it. Uh, just dump and ham. Yeah. Dumping hams what it's all about, dude. <laughs> That's the way to be. Oh, it's so frustrating. It's like I want to just like like you can't smooth it around. You can't smooth any gears in. Uh, but boy, it just fucking it just absolutely rips. Yep. See, you're becoming a real car guy because you're starting to. You've already done it. I love it about you, but you've justified multiple <laughs> cars for different reasons, and that's that's. <laughs> That's when the disease is really taking hold. It's not some guy who buys an X5M and drives it too fast. It's when you realize, like, no, I need a two-door M2 and fuck my kids. And then also, I guess <laughs> I need an SUV for when I take them to school and have to drive in the snow. Like, yeah, like, that's that's what it's about. And then being like, I drove I my Z3 back around. Sometimes yeah. I take women to shows where I might want to get laid in a covered parking lot. A sedan does serve a purpose. So does a wagon. a wagon. Look, there's a reason for everything. 
I like wagons. Me too, especially two-door wagons. You want to see the ultimate dream wagon for me? I already know what it is. It's the Chevy Tahoe from 1998. No, that's that's the ultimate SUV. I'm talking real car shit. How dope is that? Is that two-door Tahoe? That's like the coolest thing since sliced bread. Yeah, the sport. It's it really might be the apex of trucks before um, buyer habits overtook the market. I still want one. Yeah, they're, they're, if if. With a gun to my head, if I was only allowed to buy one more four-wheel drive vehicle for the rest of my life, it'd be a 98 Yukon Sport. You think so? Oh, yeah. 100%. Not, uh, not, uh, I would probably get a Porsche. No, fuck no. Yeah, I know you say that, but. Parts, uh, workability, reliability, <laughs> drivability. I could tune the Chevy up to whoop the Porsche's ass and still be reliable and be able to get parts <laughs> at any auto zone. I wish people, uh, like I wish Chevy made this, uh, like this rendering of a two door Tahoe. That, that company in Texas does make them. The new one. Wait, really? Yeah. They've been selling them at SEMA for the last two years. It's a long wait, but they've been making them. They've delivered like 20. 20 something. So they take a full size one and just chop it down? They, they've been buying the short bed regular cab ones out of Mexico because they still show, sell a short bed regular cab in Mexico. Okay. And then they cut the back up and do full fabrication to put the removable top on, add the second row of seating. Um, Interesting. They, they do a really nice job. They got a really nice write up at SEMA this year. Those guys are fucking incredible the work they're doing it looks factory i bet they're very expensive they are i think it's eighty six thousand dollars on top of the cost of the truck fuck yeah so it's it's a you know it's a rich boy's toy but oh this is the color too right here baby is this for sale for real oh fuck i might need to go (laughs) the bank closes in an hour you're gonna go jack off to this two-door chevelle Dude, if I could get a 65 two-door Chevelle wagon, baby. Oh, my God. LS that bitch, it's over. They only made six. You know, my... Uh, 100 of them. Really? That's, I, I don't know. It, it kind of looks like it kind of looks like an El Camino with a hard top. It is an El Camino. Or like a camper top. top. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, an El Camino is a Chevelle. Did you hear the audio change? I did hear it change a little bit. We're decompressing. Away? Okay, nice. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to start build... popping my ears. Nice. If I could build anything, it'd be that. That thing's stiff as fuck. Two doors. Got all the room to lay down you want. Fucking rip shit up. Ugh. Wagons are so Yeah, stiff. but you can't get people pregnant in this thing like you could in that, in that one you love. Yeah, I could. This looks like a hearse. Yeah. And you know what you do in a hearse? You lay down in the back. I could definitely get people. Pregnant <laughs> uh, I, and if I was if I was going for f- pure pregnant moves, I'd get a Rambler wagon where you lay down from the dash all the way to the back tailgate. Yeah, that's what I'm referring to. Yeah, Rambler wagons are nasty. And Pinaferina did a couple of their bodies in the late '50s. They have sliding rear roofs, so you can lay down and like open the roof. They're sick, dude. I don't know. I think if you're going to get that, that's the one, huh? That's my favorite two-door wagon. Because those Nomads that we saw are cooler, but, like, you got three hundred grand laying around, you know? Right. So, or, like, 150, realistically, like 150, like that blue one we saw at the show. That's like 150 to 180 thousand dollar car. Dude, the guy that owns the brewery that I do my Sunday show at, uh, yeah. he uh, he is uh, he has a 74 International Harvester Travel All. Nice. Is it a Woody? Uh, uh, no. There's not wood on it, okay, but it did, but it is two tone like that. Yeah. But apparently it's like one of the super rare ones. Well, the, I travel alls by 74 were pretty rare. Were they? 
Yeah, I mean, AMC was about to go out of business. Yeah, he said uh, he said it's just a starter issue, but it's been sitting there for two years, and I kind of want to fucking scoop it up off him. Oh, that'd be a great uh, vehicle. Just throw a different motor in it. Those international motors are trash. The AMCs. It's got a four oh. It's got a four oh eight in it. Yeah, they're fine motors. They run right. They just had bad metal at the time. God, see, this is where I get real nerdy. They had bad metal for production <laughs> at the time, so their engine blocks warp really easily from like seventy to seventy four at the end, and they were probably cutting cost where they were buying their metal for the block casting. So it's just it's one of those things where you'll be annoyed if you bought it, had work done to the engine, and then six months later had to have the exact same work done to the engine again. It's worth it just to spend the money to put an old three fifty in it or something. Like an old LS motor, you think? I wouldn't LS it. That'd be too much power. You'd have to address so much shit if you put that much power in it. What would you put into it? I'd put a 350. It was making like 300 horse. I wouldn't put... Like an old 350? Yeah. Like something before 70 fucking 2 when they started neutering them. Would it still be carbureted? You wouldn't put a modern motor in there? No. Why would you want to put an old motor in there? Because I would only want to spend thirty five hundred dollars on making it awesome, and spend, instead of spending like fifteen grand making it handle all the modern shit I put on it. You'd you'd have to put a different rear end and a different drive shaft and probably a different transmission. And like, if I put a three fifty in it, the transmission it'd be fine. I know those AMC trannies hook up to three fifties. Stuff like that. You've experienced this. You can't just change one major thing about a car, especially when you're like tripling the power. <laughs> I still think to this day, I think that my rear end uh, is a problem that should have been addressed already. And, um, and I think that uh, we may have made a slight mistake in not putting in an M3 rear end. Uh, okay. But it was just going to fuck up so much extra shit. See? Like, it it brought up so many more variables yeah. that it just seemed like a better play to not uh, to not do that. So you and, just explained um, why the 350 is a better idea than the LS. <laughs> shut up, Jake. <laughs> no, but it is, like, <laughs> I just, like, I, I have a pretty good idea of which trannies will take how much horsepower what rear ends up to a certain like i don't know what that rear end on the international is rated for but like chevy rear ends i know which 12 volts can take up to 400 and which ones can take more than 400 like you got to know that kind of shit because you don't want to put an engine in your car all excited and drive it once and then have no rear end and no fucking tranny how much do you think a travel all should, should, should go for uh, how, how is there any rust on it? Some. Where? Uh, body rust. Where though? On the like on the fender lips, or is it where the doors uh-huh. meet the body, or is no it... more on like the fender lips? Okay, that's not a big deal then. Um, as long as it wasn't rusting on like where the A arms and the suspension connects to the frame, I wouldn't be too worried about it. Uh, how's the interior? Is it ratted out? Is it mildewy? No, it's actually really nice. That's why I bought it. Nice. It was a really good shape. Probably five to seven grand if all it needs is a starter. Wow. Wow. The International Harvester people seem to think it's way more money. Well, I mean, in theory it is, but all 12 of them are 75 years old and nobody fucking cares. So, (laughs) I I mean, yeah, the the last Cadillac that had an ivory dash that sold for $1.2 million when I was a junior in high school sold for 40 grand last year. So, really? Yeah, and the guy put 11 miles on it. So, he made a real good investment. Wild. Yeah. What kind of Cadillac was it? It was a, uh, fuck, a Series 60. No. I forget which series it was, but it was the Fastback Sedanette. And it was like the last. It had an ivory dash? It had ivory, an ivory handle on the shift knob and a couple of ivory features. Wow. Yeah. And everybody else was using fake plastic that was like ivory colored to emulate Cadillac back then. 
Wow. And I believe it also had in, uh, I should look it up because I'm going to say the wrong tank model, but it, it had, they were using the leftover transmissions that GM had made for the tanks in World War II and putting them in Cadillacs. So they're just fucking bulletproof. Literally bulletproof casing on the fucking transmission. Um, pretty, pretty beefy. They apparently can run with like almost no fluid in them and not do any damage to themselves because they were built to run filled with dirt and sand and fucking shit. Uh, like it was a really cool car. And yeah, somebody stole that fucking thing. Somebody bought it for less than the tax that was paid on it last time it was sold. Dude, all the Model A's and Model T's and Buick Super 8's and Chevy fucking um, Confederates and all, all the old cars from the 20s that if you had a real one, you had a like a little fortune sitting on your hands that you could sell to a hot rodder to build. Like, dude, an all-steel 30s Ford when I was in high school, like it could be rotted the fuck out, and that was going to be a $40,000 body. Just the body. That's why they were making fiberglass fakes and shit. It was, it was cost prohibitive to have one. And now you can just go buy one that's cherry, like still stock and original, not even hot rotted, like ready to go. You can go fucking pull that thing apart and do whatever you wanted to it and have all the original metal in perfect condition. You can get them for like fucking eight to 10 grand all fucking day because no one alive gives a shit. No one. How many road? Like, did we see any 20s cars at LS Fest? Like 1920s, you mean? Yeah, like old hot rods, 19 and 20s and 30s vehicles, little wedge, triangular fucking cars that everybody built. Where they all, you have to be a nerd like me to be able to tell a Buick from a Pontiac, from a Chevy, from a Ford. There were none of them. No, there, dude. I don't think there was. Well, there was that one that was uh, uh, rusted out, that the, the rat rod. Yeah, but that was an old Nash. Oh, okay. So that guy probably got that for twenty five hundred bucks. Because nobody even knows it. what a no, yeah, nobody even knows what a Nash is anymore. That was actually the stock roof line on that Nash. Nash built cool cars. Really? It was that small? Yeah, they built really cool Whoa. roof line. That's what inspired other guys who had the high top Chevys and Fords to start chopping, to chop them down. Yeah, because they visually saw like, oh wait. That guy who drives that hump mobile down the road, that thing's fucking nasty looking. I think I'm going to cut up the roof on my Ford and try to make it look like that hump mobile. Nash was the company? Nash, yeah. Um, what was the other part of that brand? God damn it. Uh, Bridges? Uh, no, I wish. Uh, fuck, man. <laughs> Packard. Packard Nash. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Packard was like Cadillac's only real competitor. I don't think of what the Packard was. Was it just that SUV? Or did no. they make other things? No, 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 no. Packards are like luxurious fucking vehicles, dude. Are they? Yeah. P A v Very luxurious. They were really, like, truly the only thing that came close, even from uh, fucking whoa, <laughs> that scared the shit out of me. To a <laughs> the door just pops open because of the pressure. Yeah, that's wild. So wait, oh, does the door like not lock? It just pressurizes closed. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and my uh, and my bolt, my block is back to normal. I just and, sent, uh, I just sent you an old Packard. I looked these up. These look sick as fuck. Yeah, they were they were building other worldly shit back in the day. Jesus. Yeah, they were they were doing it big style. Fuck, man, that looks so cool. Yeah, that's like what uh, Cruella Deville had. Yeah, one of these ones I'm sending you. It's not this one, but one of these sold for nine thousand dollars at the auction last weekend. And it was show condition. I mean, looked like it had 60 to 80 grand poured into it. Wow. You see that one I just sent? Yeah. Dude, imagine get one of those cherried the fuck out with a straight eight, eight cylinder engine that's making like 180 horsepower that there's no reason <laughs> to, to, 
ever change out. They're fucking cool, man. And nobody cares. They used one in Wednesday. That's what the Adams family drives is a Packard limo in Wednesday. So I thought they might okay. pick back up a little bit because that seems to be the only thing that keeps old cars going anymore is if they get used in pop culture. What about this line? Uh, the Aquarius, the Packard Aquarius. Yeah. The silver one that's at the yeah. Peterson. Yeah. Yeah. That car's outrageous. First of all, how do you see over that? You hire Also, a, how do you change driver. a tire? Your driver does it. That looks like a two-door. It is. Well, why would you get a driver? Do you sit in the passenger seat? Dude, I think in today's money that it'd be like a $6 million new car. I don't think like normal people were buying it. God. And also back then, driving had only been around... For a very short time. So not everybody drove. I mean, this thing just looks like a, it looks like a fake car. Like yeah. the lines on it, how, how like how it, big the snout looks. It looks like somebody took it too far in a video game design. Wow. Yeah, dude, there, there's a period of cars. And then another thing nobody talks about that I probably shouldn't even talk about on the podcast. Uh, Mercedes was Mercedes was building cars during World War II that never get shown or talked about because of who they were built for, <laughs> which I totally understand and appreciate. But Mercedes was building cars in the 30s that look like insane comic book cars, dude. The Count, what is it, Count Strassi? The one that uh, Ralph Lauren owns? That might be the prettiest car that anyone's ever made. The, it's called the Count Strassies? Yeah, let me find it for you. It's bananas. Count Strass. I think it's Strassy. It might be Rossi. Uh, SSK Count Trossi? Trossi. Whoa. That looks like a Batmobile. Yeah, dude. It looks like a Plymouth Prowler with like the... With like the um, fender wells of a of a Packard, yeah, and it would make a Plymouth Prowler look fucking tiny. It's just super long. It's huge. That steering the wheel Enigma. is bigger than any steering wheel you've ever held in your hands. Is wait? Is this? Is there only one of these? Yeah. Oh. Who owns it? Ralph Lauren. Yeah. He has the single greatest car collection on the planet. Better than Jay Leno? Unmeasurably better. Ralph Lauren? Ralph Lauren. Jay Leno's will tell you that to your face. Ralph Lauren's collection makes me jealous. He only wow. has he only has like twenty cars, every single one of them is one of the most special cars that's ever existed. It's like a one of one. Yeah, a lot of cars back then were because you'd order the car and then have it bodied by a coach builder. So you'd order the car from Mercedes and then order the coach building from Benz. Wait, what does that mean? Your car didn't used to come with a body. What? Yeah. So a lot of manufacturers, you had to do coach building. So like Duesenbergs, that's why Duesenbergs and old Bugattis all look different. It's because each one was built to somebody's specifications. So the chassis is huh. the same, the motor's the same, but the bodies were unique. Dude. His Bugatti Type 57SC Atlantic. It's Coop. real. It's the real one. Jay Leno has a fake one. This looks so cool. Yeah. Ralph dude. Lauren just has this money just from t-shirts and jeans? No, Ralph Lauren bought these cars in the 80s when no one gave a flying fuck, and he bought them all for a song. For a song? Yeah, that's the same with Leno. Everybody's like, how does Leno have all these cars? Like, he bought them all before ZZ Top ruined cars. 
Oh, gotcha. He's got a McLaren F1. Wow. He has a McLaren F1 LM, I believe. Uh, let's see here. Maybe. I, I do know. believe he has Doesn't an say. LM. He might have sold Only 106 it. of these F1s were built from 92 to 98. Um... Yeah, he has the black true. one, but then I think he has an orange LM long body. It's got a BMW V12 engine in it. Yeah, and the entire engine bay is covered in gold flake, and it has to be replaced every couple of years. Wow. It's the only wow. production, I believe right now it's the only production vehicle that you cannot total. <laughs> really? Yep, we could drive it into a wall at 200 miles an hour and kill both of us, light it on fire, and crush it into a ball. And it would be financially worth it to rebuild the car. Jeez. I love seeing. So if you Google, if you Google Ralph Lauren's uh, <laughs> car collection, some of the pictures of him in front of his cars look so fucking hilariously douchey. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but you got to understand, like, part of that is, like, owning cars he shouldn't have, and then part of that is the pride. Ralph Lauren was a weirdo like me. So this would be, like, in the late 80s, early 90s, he wanted cars that only freaks like me wanted, like that Atlantic or that fucking Trossy that nobody knew existed or knew what it was to think it was special. And he was seeking these cars out because he was like, I know about a car. I heard a story about a car. It's very good. And he'd get them, and now, you know, 30 years later, everybody realizes what treasures these things are. And his, like, it's probably one of the better financial investments he's ever made. They don't know what that Atlantic, that SC Atlantic, they don't know what that fucking thing would be worth if it went up for sale. They have no clue. Wow. The fakes go Some for of these like, are incredible. The fakes go for like two to eight million dollars. Jesus. Yeah. And I think I think according to Leno, he bought that thing for twenty grand. Wow. Also this Lamborghini uh Reventon. Yeah. Reventon? Yeah, there you go. Reventon. I mean this looks incredible. This is like, it's all blacked out. It's got like weird gills and slits on the side. I know. And it, it's the same motor that was used in the Murcielago. Yeah, I know, man. Do you ever like thank God that Chrysler got out of that deal? Because I do. <laughs> like once a month, I'll be looking at a cool Lamborghini and just be like, thank God Chrysler got fucking uninvolved with that. Wow. The Count Trossy. Count Tross, like, I really do think that might be the best-looking single vehicle that's ever been made. It looks like a bug or an ant. Uh, you know what I mean? And like, how everything's all separated. Uh, yeah. It's, no. like, individual. Like, the tail end of it, it, does, it looks like the end of, like, a wasp or something. A boat tail, dude. Channels air, all aerodynamic. Fucking slipstream. Oh, yeah, baby. That's good stuff. And now guys are starting to take those era Mercedes out to concours events. Um, I think they were emboldened by the Trump QAnon era to show off their old Nazi relics that were kept secret for so long. Yeah. But like aside from who they were made for, I mean, a lot of the F40s were made for terrible sultans that did terrible things to women and shit. Like the Ferrari is still an amazing vehicle. Uh, most of the one-off cars Ferrari's ever done have been for killers. Uh, and monsters. This Bugatti, in 2010, one of them sold at auction for $40 million. Was it, it, was it fake? No. It's a rebody. No, it said... Uh, I'll just read this article. Back in... There's only three of these on the planet... Uh, the fourth of which uh, Bugatti owns. Uh, Jean, Jean Bugatti. Uh, but in 2010, one of these three went, uh, it sold an auction for $40 million. 
Okay. I think, if I remember correctly, I think Ralph's is a one of one for some reason. So I think there's something about his chassis that makes it rare out of the four. His might have been the one they actually raced. That could have been it. I believe that. This looks like one of the masks that they wore in Clockwork Orange. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, it's wild. It has round doors. Do you see the doors? Yeah, it's very confusing. And it's riveted it's cool, together though. on the outside. Because they got fucked That's over fucking... on cost at the last minute. Like, it was, it's a real engineering marvel. Bro. How was the race? I mean, we got to put out some cool shit. Um, which one? You went to the race this weekend, didn't you? No, it's uh, this coming weekend in Vegas. You mean? Oh, I thought it was last week that you were in Vegas. No, I think I have you. In no, Vegas. it's this coming weekend, and I have canceled my trip very reluctantly, Jake. Why? Because I don't have any money right now. <laughs> oh, that's fair. And. uh and uh, and my parents decided to come to Austin, and so I let them talk me out of it. Nice. I'm really I'm really torn on this, buddy. I don't know. I don't. I don't. Uh, it's too late now. I've made my decision. But man, I am torn on this. Damn. Yeah, I did not. I did not want to not go because uh, it was the first one. It's going to be so much shenanigans. It's going to be so fucking crazy uh, in terms of like. Just bullshittery, yeah. um, but I just don't have, uh, you know, I'd probably just be smarter to not do it, and then, uh, oh, and my back's all fucked up, so that probably wouldn't have been the smart choice to have to be standing around and walking a bunch, and, you know, my back's all fucked, so. Yeah, well, I'm glad you made So I bailed, I mean, it is, but what are you going to do? I'll still watch it though. I'm still excited to see it. Uh, I'm excited to see like <clears throat> the opening ceremony. I bet it's going to be hilariously overdone, like they did in Miami. Yeah. Uh, you know. So, um, I don't know. I'll go next year. I just feel like I should have. I should be there. You know. Yeah. But it is what it is. Uh, yeah, I was going to try to see like. The problem is, is I have like I've got uh, uh, I've got a bunch of money that uh, is owed to me, and uh, people are late on it. I have one sponsor that's just like not paying me. He's like, "Sorry, I don't have any money." I'm like, "That's not quite how this works." Uh, and I've been lenient with you since uh, since I since March, so it's kind of like uh, you can go ahead and pay me now. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> so, but anyway, I'll um, whatever. It is what it is. It is what it is. But what are you gonna do? Anyway, all right. Where are we at? Hour and twenty eight minutes. Hour and seven. Eighteen. We're, we're good. That's a lot. That's a lot. Uh, all right. Well, that's our show. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. 